Welcome to a Sunny Side Up Life podcast, a show for the woman who is ready to live an abundant life full of freedom and positivity. I'm your host, Sammy Womack, a nationally recognized money expert, budgeting coach, and your very own hype squad. I'm on a mission to help you break free from survival mode, gain financial freedom, stay motivated, and focus on what matters most. Join the movement and let's start living on the brighter side of life together. Just a reminder that everything discussed in today's episode will be linked in the episode show notes. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at a sunny side up life. And if you're ready to take control of your money and need guided instructions, check out my free budgeting challenge by going to a sunny side up Now let's get into the episode. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. Today, we are going to talk about financial trauma, she says in a very upbeat, positive voice. Yeah, I know. It's it's kind of a heavy topic, but I did a social media post back in like February. And so this topic has been on my idea list since that social media post. And it was a very popular post for good reason. And I was like, OK, we've got to talk more about this. This is not you know, something that we can just talk about in one single Instagram post. But basically, the Instagram post was financial trauma can manifest into all these different things. And it was like hoarding items, comparing yourself, feeling guilty, spending money to avoid emotions, <laughs> feeling like you never have enough. And I don't know, for some reason, that resonated with a lot of people, right? I can't imagine why. So we have compiled several resources here for you guys to read some more and different articles and all that kind of stuff. So of course, all the resources are going to be linked in the show notes. As always, 23%, 36%. Another article I said, I found said one third, basically the same thing one way or the other, like mo- like a good chunk of us <laughs> experience financial stress levels that are high enough that qualify for a diagnosis of PTSD. And I always kind of hesitated using that. I always felt like I had PTSD. And I feel like that's such a severe term. Like there are, you know, soldiers who have been to war that I feel like have real PTSD. And I didn't want to kind of diminish that by saying that I had financial PTSD. But according to all of this research that we've done for you guys and all these different articles, this is a real thing. So this isn't me just being dramatic, which originally I thought it was, but it's not. (laughs) And if you felt like that, you're definitely not alone. So we're going to dig into this topic a little bit. So basically, what is financial trauma? Let's start there. Financial trauma is a term used to describe the emotional and psychological effects of financial stress. It can be caused by a variety of factors, including job loss, bankruptcy, divorce, medical bills. The list probably goes on and on and on. We'll talk more about that in a second. But people who experience financial trauma feel anxious, depressed and hopeless. I Wow, that's brand new news to me. (laughs) They may also have difficulty sleeping, concentrating, making decisions. In some cases, financial trauma can lead to substance abuse or even suicide. Yeah, this is real. So if you have felt like maybe you're on an island, you're the only one, 
you're definitely not alone. If you felt like I'm being so dramatic, it's just money. It's not like I've been to war. Like that's not real PTSD. You're not being dramatic. This is a real thing. A Forbes article noted that symptoms often present similarly to those who have experienced post-traumatic stress disorder from other events. It interferes with the person's ability to carry out normal work and home life functions. So that's how they determine like this is real PTSD. And I feel like we all kind of feel like, oh, it's not that bad because it's been so normalized through social media, TV, movies, personal relationships with our family, our friends, coworkers, right? That like money's just really hard. And oh, you know, just it's normal to be in debt and all of these things. And it's just been so normalized that we don't realize how damaging this really can be. And what is really super damaging is that this mindset has been passed down from generation to generation. And here we are, right? Here we are. I talk to so many of my clients more often than not that are like, yeah, I didn't have a good example growing up. My parents did this, this, and this. Every once in a while, maybe like one out of 10, I get, well, my parents are really good at money, but somehow that just didn't translate. Like that is not the norm. The norm is my parents set this example of overspending or being in debt or they never talked to me about financial education. I'd had no financial literacy growing up. We had no real conversations. That is the norm in my experience. So how does this show up? So we throw around PTSD, we throw around trauma, but like, what is it really? So this shows up in so many different ways and you could have all or one or two of these. It's not an all or nothing kind of thing. Because of course, we all will turn this into our own experience. Everyone's experience is slightly different. But basically, it shows up through these several different ways. So hypervigilance is one of them, which could be overworking and attempt to change your financial circumstances, which I see this a lot. I see in my clients a lot of people saying, well, I thought if I just got a raise, just made more money, just switched careers so I could have a higher salary or I worked overtime, I worked a second job that I would just have more money and that would just fix all my problems. But the problem with that is you can't out earn bad spending habits. You can't out earn unhealthy behaviors and mindsets and things like that. And I actually talked to a new client just last week or so where she was like, you know, we together, we earn a six figure income. And I'm so embarrassed because I feel like with an above average household income, we shouldn't be in this predicament. And I said, honestly, I haven't it. it Okay, let's say normal people. (laughs) I haven't experienced an income level yet where you could out earn bad spending habits. Now, I'm sure if you're a multi, multi millionaire, a billionaire, maybe then. But for me, with like regular people, I haven't experienced that income level yet. Um, I think some of my highest earning 
my highest earning income, maybe like 500, 600,000 a year um, in some of my clients, 300, you know, things like that. And they have not out earned bad spending habits or bad mindset with money. So you can make over half a million dollars a year and it's not going to fix your problems alone. Could it if you had the mindset, if you did the work? Of course it could. But you could also be in a really good financial situation making maybe 50,000 a year, 60,000, 80,000, 100,000, you know, like a, an average income. You could and you could be better off in the long run than someone over here making half a million without the financial foundation built. So don't think <laughs> that you could just make more money and it's going to fix all of your problems. Please hear me when I say that. And so this hypervigilance, this is a sensitive sensory state marked by exaggerated behaviors. So it might look like agitation, being on the edge, things like this. So you're just hypervigil, like you're just hyped up on all of this. It shows up like that sometimes. The second one, I, I see this one a lot. This is really common. Almost everyone is avoidance behaviors. So you're avoiding opening bills, guilty, um, in avoidance, opening any financial statements, not logging onto your credit cards, not logging into your bank accounts. Um, I see this a lot. So for me, anytime I hear anybody talk about this, I'm like, yep, same. I, <laughs> this is so embarrassing to admit, but it's true. And so we're going to normalize this. I, in, in the thick of my debt, I used to avoid checking the mail to the point that our mail lady would come and knock on the door and bring me my mail because my mailbox was so full. And she would basically lecture me on needing to clean out my mailbox. She was like, I can't be bringing you your mail like every day. You need to clean out your mailbox. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I didn't want to see all the, the statements and the late notices and the threats from the IRS and all the things that were coming in. And this is so, so normal. And so one of the things that I do in coaching that I think is one of the most helpful things is I sit with my clients on a Zoom call while they log into their bank account. And it seems so small. And it seems so silly. They're like, oh, my gosh, I could log into my bank account. OK, when you're in the thick of this, it's really hard and that's OK. Don't discredit that at all. And so sometimes that's what we need is someone to just sit with us while we actually log in, while we actually write down the current balance, while we actually check off what's cleared, while we actually see what our credit card debt is up to, while we go and log in to our retirement accounts and see maybe they're not as high as we wish they were, but avoiding them is not going to make them any better, right? Avoidance behavior is something that I see in pretty much every single client, regardless of income level, regardless of age, regardless of debt level, any of this stuff. The next one will be no surprise to anyone either is sleep disturbance. Financial trauma can result in difficulty falling asleep, staying asleep or insomnia due to financial stress. And another thing I repeat to my clients all the time is that 
once you start to dig into this and you take a few weeks, maybe, maybe two or three months, my coaching packages start at 12 weeks because I feel like three months is a really good amount of time to build a habit. And so I tell people, okay, just invest three months of being really, really diligent with this, becoming slightly obsessed with this, making it your new hobby, your new main focus of your day for just three short months and you will pretty much be set with just little check-ins once or twice a week after that. And and you'll be good. Like that's really what it takes. But what you are going to see is that is going to start to spill over into so many different aspects of your life. And I've said this to pretty much every single client is that you're going to have such a weight off your shoulders, such a, a lift of brain fog you carry so much brain fog because for one you're not getting enough sleep you have so much noise inside your brain of you really should be doing this you really should be doing that you really should check your bank account because you know it's not looking good you really need to that credit card debt is getting out of hand and you really should be investing more for retirement what are you going to do what are you going to do are you going to ever be able to retire why do you suck so bad at this? Why, why can't you get your act together? How, are your kids going to ever be able to go to college? I'm never going to be able to travel to that place that's on my bucket list. Why is this so hard? You're all alone. You're the only one who feels like this, right? This is what our brain tells us. Our brain tells us all this stuff. And so we carry all that noise just playing on a track, just on repeat over and over and over again in our head. It's no wonder that we can't sleep. It's no wonder that it starts to infiltrate into our marriage, starts to infiltrate into our parenthood and our job performance and our hobbies are all these things. It just I mean, how can you do anything else when you just have that noise running in the back of your head at all times? Of course, it interrupts your sleep. And so what I tell my clients is like, okay, once you start to tackle this, that noise is going to get quieter and quieter and quieter. And every once in a while, something will still pop up because we all have intrusive thoughts and we're all still human. Every once in a while, it'll still pop up like, you sure you're good? Shouldn't we be worrying about this? And I'll be like, stop it. I have a budget. <laughs> stop it. I have, a, I have a plan for retirement. And then that noise is like, okay, all right. I'll be quiet now. And then I can like actually think about things, other things that are fun. It's crazy. And it'll start to spill over into, um, I repeated this to one of my clients who does client work. She does home health nursing type work and she's a single mom. And she was like, I'm just so tired. I have no energy and I can't take on any more clients because I'm just exhausted. Like, well, for one, you're a single mom. So kudos to you. Right. Because that's incredible. But I said, also, once you start to get some of this financial weight off, you're going to have so much more energy and so much more space in your brain that you can take on a couple more clients. And guess what? You can earn more money, which is going to cycle around and help you financially because you've done the foundational work and it will improve. It will start to spill over into your life. Or I've had other clients say, well, now that I have handled this money stuff and I can like afford to go to the gym or afford, you know, these health supplements or afford to go to therapy, 
I've fixed all these other things because it starts to spill over. So it spills over into your time, your energy, your brain space, and that you can actually afford some of these, I'm going to air quote, luxuries like therapy and a gym membership and eating organic food because that apparently is a luxury in our country, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. So <laughs> the next place we see it show up is self-destructive behavior. Um, also really common, of course, overspending is huge, self-destructive. Like we're like, okay, retail therapy. And that's, it's so normalized in our media content that we consume. Another one is self-harm um, that we see with substance abuse, with, uh, you know, uh, suicide. I mean, there it gets it gets really dark and really sad and it just breaks my heart because I'm like, just come talk to me. I'll help you. Like it doesn't have to get to that. Uh, but even quitting a job out of frustration or, you know, letting it infiltrate into your marriage, your motherhood, your personal relationships, that's all self-destructive behavior. Like it, it can get really bad. Some other things I, I see on not as, as serious of a note is that is subconsciously ruining an otherwise good financial opportunity. And we do this for so many psychological reasons, but I see it a lot in, okay, well, we got this raise and we're like, oh, this raise is going to fix all of our problems. Well, then we go and we upgrade our car. So now our car payment goes from, you know, $400 to $700 or something crazy. And because we like, we got that raise, we deserve it. You just spent all of your raise, probably plus some. You got like a five cent an hour raise and you just like upped your credit card debt $300 a month or something. Um, hello? Like, <laughs> you are subconsciously ruining something that would have otherwise been a good financial opportunity to get up and out of this situation that you're in. Or we will do retail therapy and we'll just overspend and we'll just rack up our credit card debt as soon as we get it paid off. Or we, we pay a good chunk of it off. Well, then it's time to buy all new clothes. You know, and we just do this over and over and we kind of get into this trap of like a self-fulfilling prophecy because we think, well, I'm always broke. I'm always going to be broke. I was born poor. I'm going to die poor. And then we just get into these behaviors and these habits that become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, see, I told you I'm always going to be broke. You're broke because of this. <laughs> you did that. You upgraded your car when you could have taken that raise and invested that extra money and actually been able to retire. I see it all the time. Like, well, you know, life is always picking on me. Life is always picking on you because life picks on everybody. <laughs> oh, my car broke down and I didn't have any money in my emergency fund. Yeah, that happens. Everybody's car will break down at some point. Everyone will have to do a home repair that they don't want to do. Do you think I wanted to spend $4,000 on my HVAC system? No, that's not a fun way to spend $4,000. But guess what? That's part of being a homeowner. So have an emergency fund and don't act like life is picking on you when life is just life. 
right? It's not like, sorry, you're not the only one. Like, I hate to say the term, you're not that special. (laughs) You know, that's a terrible term, but you're not the only one. And next, the next one is money anxiety. Um, I think, I feel like as a millennial, we were just born with anxiety. Like, I don't know. I think it's a requirement to be a millennial. Um, But money anxiety is a real thing. It's excessive worry. It's nervousness and fear about finances. And it can even show up sometimes as being like overly frugal. Like we see these ridiculous TV shows that are like, I can't even remember what they're called, but like, I don't know, like a TLC show where they do, I don't know, all these really crazy things. It doesn't have to be that extreme, but being just overly frugal, feeling like you are not worthy of something nice. This is real. And if you start to pay attention, you're going to catch yourself. And it has turned into such a joke. Sometimes I think, especially in the motherhood side of it, as I see reels all the time, that's like my kids showing up in, you know, Lululemon and all these different things. And me in the same sweatpants that I've had for 12 years. Okay. I mean, sure. That's funny. But why do you feel like you're not worthy of something nice, but your kid is and there's money trauma there. Let's just dig into that. You know, every time I see these reels, I'm like, I just want to just DM these. Do you need to talk about your money trauma? Okay. okay. I don't know. It's supposed to be a joke, but to me, I'm like, "Mm, let's diagnose this. The next one is analysis paralysis. So this is basically when you feel frozen when it comes to making even the simplest financial decision. And this can even manifest into something as simple as your grocery purchases. Like this is real. You're just like, I don't know, because I don't know if that bill has cleared or I don't know, because I really should be investing and I'm not. So I don't even know if I should spend another $50 on groceries because, well, I don't really know. And then you just kind of do nothing and just freak out. And then you have no food at home. So the last one is physical symptoms. So we see this a lot in just, you know, basic stress type of situation. Basic, hey, I carry anxiety all day long, like muscle tension, clenching your jaw, even your digestive problems, headaches, migraines. I mean, losing sleep will do any of those. And so if you're worrying about your money and you're not sleeping, then of course you're going to wake up with a headache. Of course you're going to wake up with a sore jaw because you were grinding your teeth all night in your sleep because you're stressed. And you see how if you attack the foundation of this and we start to work on these money traumas, we start to actually set up a budget, actually make a plan for paying off our debt. Even after just a couple of weeks of being diligent about this, you're going to start to see that spill over because you're like, all right, I don't have to worry. I mean, yeah, it sucks. I still have my debt, but I have a plan. I've planned out my budget for the next year. I know where my extra money is going to go. I know it's going to take me X number of months or years to pay my debt off. Okay, I started investing even $50 a month. Yeah, it's going to be slow going, but at least I know I've done something like exhale 
the weight starts to lift. It's not perfect and it's not completely done after a couple of weeks, but you've at least made a little bit of progress. Okay. So you get a little bit more sleep. Okay. Well then after a few months, you have that first debt page. You're like, yes, one less debt to pay. I freed up $200 a month because I'm not paying that credit card. Now I can take that extra 200. I can apply it to another debt. All right. I got a little bit better sleep and then you get a little bit better and a little bit better. And it keeps building on that. And then you wake up one day and it's nine years later, like my personal example. And you went from being a half a million dollars in debt, owning three pieces of property when you couldn't even pay for one. And that's where we started. I couldn't sleep. Our marriage was at the worst place it's ever been. I I literally just had that conversation again with my sister talking about postpartum and I said well we all know that Izzy's postpartum was the worst that wasn't even her fault it was just 2014 was literally the worst year of my life which is our rock bottom year and then 2015 is when we started our our debt-free journey with that whole new year's motivation in January of 2015 and I can't think about 2014 without thinking about all of that financial trauma and it it wasn't Izzy's fault (laughs) but the first year of her life was literally the worst year of my life to date it's crazy and you go from that to where we are now our marriage is better than it's ever been not that getting your money straight is just going to be the catch-all answer for fixing your marriage of course that's not always the case but in our case that was a lot of our stress and we knew that from both of our childhood experiences money was basically the biggest issue with both of our parents' relationships i remember my parents were madly in love soulmates the whole thing the only thing i ever remember them fighting about was money related my husband's parents i think that that was the basically the root of their divorce was money and i won't share all of their dirty laundry because that's not mine to share but we all can relate to that parents who did get divorced and we remember the fights and we remember the the struggle and the tension and the all of that and so we went from that to where we are now. Our net worth just hit 400000 a couple weeks ago. And it's insane that you can get from where we were to where we are now. And with basically only getting cost of living raises. Of course, I started my business. Of course, my business does bring a little. But to be really transparent with you, most of my business profit gets reinvested in the business in hiring outside help right now almost all my business profit this year is going to pay for my cfp class which is over eight thousand dollars um i've taken on more outside help shout out joe editing the podcast right um so now i have v and kaylee and joe like i someone has to you know hit that venmo transfer So, yeah, my business has brought in a little bit extra, but basically all my husband has gotten over all of these years, he's in the same exact career. He's gotten cost of living raises. That's it. That's our, that's 
it wasn't like we had this huge, like, oh, we came into all this money. Oh, we sold our property. We lived in a house well below our means. Um, and we, we changed our habits. I mean, obviously there was more to it, <laughs> but that's the cliff note version. And so, yeah, I totally relate to this. I share all the time, all the transparency of my financial traumas. Um, my family, I come from a family of entrepreneurs, so no shock to anyone that I became an entrepreneur. I literally started working at the age of three, which brings on its whole own thing. But my parents and grandparents have always owned businesses. And so I was taught at a very young age that if you work hard enough, you'll be successful. Without the underlying foundation of basically what we just talked about earlier, you can't out earn bad habits. And it wasn't until my generation, me and my sisters, that we learned otherwise <laughs> that you can't just work your fingers to the bone or literally work yourself to death and just be financially successful. Like it's not going to happen. Hustling doesn't guarantee you financial success. Have you been feeling like you need a little extra support on your budgeting journey? Well, that's exactly why I offer one-on-one 12-week coaching sessions. They are designed to give you fully personalized budgeting support. Together, we'll organize your bills, spending, debt, and savings goals, and I'll help you get a system in place that will set you up for financial success for years to come. I'll be there to hold you accountable, talk you through building new habits, and help you adopt a positive mindset towards your life. Visit asunnysideuplife.com slash coaching to apply today to see if coaching is right for you. Now back to the episode. I've been working since I was three. My parents owned a donut shop at the time. My parents, <laughs> grandparents have had so many different businesses throughout the year. It's hard to, it's hard to keep track, but we started with donut shops. My grandpa had donut shops before my parents even met. And my sister and I would like sleep in the back room. I remember watching CMT music videos in the back room while my parents worked at the donut shop. And once I was three, I was my parents taught me how to um, how to count back change. And so I would work the drive through and my parents just thought it was so cute. And I'm like, OK, yeah, but I was three. and <laughs> I probably shouldn't have been like working. Um, but anyway, and then. At one point we had, when we moved to Texas, we bought a marina and with our marina, we had a store and a little restaurant where you could get like burgers and things like that. And so at the age of 10, I started working there and we took this nice little break kind of in between where my dad was in construction and I, I would go to like jobs with him and pick up you know, trash or like shingles or like nails and stuff out of the yard and sweep the floors and things like that. But it wasn't like a consistent every single day kind of thing. Um, but once we got our marina, it was basically it was pretty regular helping clean. We had cabins that people could rent, all that kind of stuff. So it was like I remember doing the laundry, making the beds with my grandma. I remember working the restaurant. We waited tables. Me and my sisters waited tables every single Friday night, every single Saturday night. And a lot of times I would work Sunday mornings also running the store, checking out people when they would buy like sodas and, and um, chips and, 
you know, snacks like that or paying for their boat launch because we had a boat ramp, all that stuff. I did that at 10 all the way up to 15 until we sold that business. Yeah. Like your girl has worked. <laughs> I, at, I think 12 years old, bought myself a desktop computer, which was about, I think, $1,100 then. So I could, you know, fill it with viruses of downloading um, Napster music and I could chat on a messenger with my friends. <laughs> I'm just totally dating myself here. But yeah, that was how I grew up. Um and I didn't realize until about the time we started our debt-free journey that working six days a week, hustling, working your fingers to the bone, never resting, doesn't guarantee you financial success. Because if that was true, I would have been a multimillionaire by the time I reached 15. It doesn't guarantee success. And then, so then I'm just going to tell you my whole life story here. Apparently, um, 15, we moved to the town that we're in now, which is about an hour and a half from where we were on the lake, which is where I met my lovely husband and my mother-in-law still lives. And so we moved about an hour and a half away and my dad started building houses again, went back into construction, except this time he was building brand new custom homes and some spec houses and getting into that business. And he did that until I was uh, 20 when he died. And talking about working yourself to death is a very um, sensitive topic because more or less, my dad literally worked until he literally could not work anymore. Self-care was not a word like that was not a known phrase. And. You know, my mom, we still constantly have to get onto my mom about working too much. She literally works six days a week. Uh, my grandpa is, I don't even know, 80. I, I don't know. He lies about his age, so I never know what his real age is. Um, literally still works every single day. This is the culture that we grew up with in our family. So taking a self-care day was just unheard of. You took Sundays off so you could like play badminton with the family or barbecue or something. But then Monday, you're right back to work. God forbid you're sick. You could be sick at work. Go to work. It's just. Right. And so my parents you know, had all their financial stuff. They tried to do better than their parents, of course, and tried to pass along better money habits to us. And apparently that worked because we're our generation is doing much better. First generation college educated, first generation six figure earners. We're going to be the first generation to actually be able to retire. So apparently in all their faults, they did a few things right. I'll give them that. When my dad got sick, he was sick for about two years and obviously he worked for himself. He didn't have health insurance. And, you know, I don't know if you know this, but getting lung cancer in America is not a cheap experience. Shocker. So basically they set up this, they set it up where he was going to die in debt and what debt would die with him. And they kind of made that plan. And so they got credit cards to live off of because my dad couldn't work anymore at one point and or was working less and less and things like that. 
and they basically got credit cards to live off of in his name so the debt would die with him and they had to strategically plan that to plan to die in debt that is the most depressing sentence and the most normal american sentence that you could possibly say i'm i'm going to make a plan let's make a plan to die in debt he did have life insurance money um a quarter of a million but without the foundation you cannot out earn bad habits and money behaviors so my mom got this money honestly i mean obviously she was grieving in the most horrific way that i can ever possibly imagine grieving no one plans to lose their soulmate in their 40s right this is not something that we just assume is going to happen so she was grieving in the most traumatic way possible and without that foundation of good money habits good spending habits in place she gets this lump sum of money and it was all gone it vanished and i don't know like two years maybe that might be being generous there was a few things there's like maybe a handful of things that we can name and we talk we all talk about it now and my mom says you know she recognizes what she did and she's like you know but in the moment i was grieving so hard and i thought by keeping this money i'm profiting from his debt and she was like okay that's crazy i know but like without that foundation when you're in the thick of that trauma of course you're going to make bad financial decisions right that just is pretty inevitable you're not going to just wake up and be like okay all my money uh trauma is gone all my bad spending habits are gone now i have a quarter of a million dollars and a dead husband let's make some great financial decisions <laughs> Uh, and we we laugh about it now we we joke about it now because we've all been to therapy and you know hey let's normalize it let's talk about it let's bring it out of the darkness let's shed some light on it so hopefully the next generation doesn't make the same mistakes that we made that's the that's what we can do so those are my solutions number one go to therapy it's worth every single dollar if you have a good therapist if you don't have a good therapist try another one because there is a good one out there for you um talking about it out loud bringing it out of the darkness talking about the fact that we feel like we're so alone in this and we're not alone i have never met a person i mean i don't hang out with a lot of like trust fund kids <laughs> i don't hang out with billionaires so excluding those maybe if you happen to know someone that's like a trust fund kid or a born billionaire um i've never met anyone that doesn't have some kind of financial trauma once you start to actually talk about it we all are living in the same reality we all have our issues we all have probably lost sleep over money we all have some kind of story like that so let's talk about it. Let's normalize it. 
have these conversations with your friends, even if you're the one that has to start it. Don't just laugh it off like, oh, well, my kids wear Lululemon and I wear the same sweatpants I've been wearing for 12 years. I mean, that's fine if your sweatpants like they're just your favorite pair and they're good and comfy, but not because you don't feel like you're worthy of new pants. It's not a joke. (laughs) Talk about it. Educating yourself, doing the work, even outside of therapy. It's listening to podcasts. It's reading books. It's listening to audiobooks. It's reading articles. It's, It's people ask me a lot for my recommendations on financial books. I can, eh, there's like a handful of good ones. There, there are some good ones, of course, but the ones, the books that have helped me the most on my financial journey are the personal development books. Because if you don't have your mind right, the rest of it is like, okay, I learned all this budgeting tips and stuff, but like, I'm, my mind isn't in the right place to actually like build new habits and stay consistent and feel like I'm worthy and all that kind of stuff. So you can tell me how to make a spreadsheet for my budget all day long, but it's not going to really help if my mind is not in the right place. If my mind is not ready. Last on my list, of course, I'm going to say like things to do. Of course, create a budget. Like you can't just remember all these numbers in your head all the time. You can't just estimate where you're going to be with the next paycheck, like make a budget. My spreadsheet is 20 bucks. You can grab a blank piece of paper. My very first budget started with a notebook. Like just grab a notebook, open a a blank spreadsheet, open a notes app, do something, start writing it down. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. Mine was with whatever marker was closest to me from my kids, like, Crayola marker and a piece of blank computer paper. I still have some of those budgets. I keep them for nostalgia and not because I'm a hoarder. It doesn't have to be perfect. If you've tried budgeting apps and they're too restrictive, which is what I found, make your own spreadsheet or, you know, something. Just start. And then sign up for therapy and then get a personal development book. And then talk about it with your friends and family. Let's start to make progress. We have to stop avoiding. Log in to your freaking bank account. Write down your bills of when they're due. If you get my worksheets, I have the very first tab on them is called Start Here. On the Start Here tab, it literally will walk you through step one. Write down your income. Step two, how many bank accounts do you have? Step three, write down all your debt. Step four, when are your bills due? Step five, (laughs) let's think of some spending categories. Step six, how about sinking funds? Step seven, what are your savings goals? Step eight, now let's plug all this in and actually set up your budget. It walks you through it step by step. If that sounds really scary and overwhelming, hello, I'm right here. Sign up for coaching. I'll sit with you. I'll hold your hand digitally. (laughs) I'll sit with you on Zoom and we'll do it together. Stop avoiding it. Log on to your bank accounts. Log into your credit cards. Get that punch in your stomach when you see how much you're paying every single month in interest. Let's get it together. Let's make a plan to reduce your debt. 
So when you set up your budget, I love to set up an entire year budget. You're you're already sitting down like you're already doing it. Just keep going. Don't just set up this month, set up next month and the following month. Just keep going. It's mostly copy and paste anyway. Like you can totally do that or sign up for coaching and I'll do it for you. And when you figure out how much money you have extra, even if it's like 50 bucks, okay, well, that's 50 bucks. What debt is it going to go to? Or I'm going to cut back this bill. I'm going to get on like Mint Mobile and like get rid of AT&T or Verizon. And I'm going to take that savings and that savings is going to go to this debt. I'm going to throw it all at that debt until that debt's gone. Then I'll have that money that I saved by switching my phone carrier plus the money that I used to pay towards the minimum of that first debt, I'm going to apply it to the second debt. And you chip away at it. You go clean out your garage and have a garage sale and take that $300. It's not going to be a lot probably, but that's okay. And throw it at that debt. Like just keep chipping away at it. And you're going to do that and you're going to say, okay, this is how much progress I made. I can make in three months. Well, if I times that by four, that's where I could make progress in a year okay well this is where i could be in 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 two years three four five may, start to make a plan for the future make a goals list put some things on there like little incentives along the way because we're all basically just kindergartners and adult bodies um, we all need little gold stickers along the way so okay i hit this milestone then i get to get I don't know, new shoes or something. And then I get to go on a weekend trip after I hit this next milestone. And then, okay, then I'm going to pause and I'm going to finally upgrade my car. And we're going to finally do that home project, whatever it is. Put yourself little incentives along the way because the goal is not to hate your life. The goal is to live your most abundant life. Part of your most abundant life is to not carry around all this financial trauma and to lose sleep. So our most abundant life doesn't have to have a debt price tag along with it. Make a plan for the future so you have something to actually look forward to, a reason to keep doing this. And work with a professional if that's what you need to do. If you're like, some of this money trauma can be a lot. And if you need to work with a psychiatrist, a therapist, a counselor, whatever that specializes in this financial trauma, do a Google search. You can do virtual meetings with almost anyone now, anywhere. So that's not an excuse. You can do meetings during your lunch break. A lot of people will do them after working hours because they know they have to, you know, account for people's schedules. That don't that's not an excuse. OK, if you have to instead of working on that lower debt, if you switch your phone carrier and save 50 bucks and then you spend that money on a therapist. Amazing. Go for it. If you need to work with a financial planner or a coach like myself. Let's go. Let's talk. I guarantee you it's going to be worth every single dollar. And the last one is you've got to work on the mindset. I've said this before, but. And that ties into therapy. We've got to work on the mindset. You've got to work on your gratitude. You've got to work on all that, all that junk, all that clutter. 
the manifesting and journaling and praying and and reading personal development books, all of it, it, it feels kind of silly at first. We got to we got to do affirmations and like you got to get yourself in a good mindset. You got to feel worthy that you deserve a better and a different life. Just because this is where you've been doesn't mean this is where you have to stay. You are worthy of a better life. You are worthy of some new pants. <laughs> All right. That's a lot that I just threw at you. But. I hope that this helps you. Um, I'm going to link to all the resources that we've mentioned. Read some more articles. I link to a couple of creators for you to follow. Find some people, not just me, other people also. Look and look for the hashtags, the debt free community. Find some people. Look up some therapists to follow. I follow a couple and it's amazing. Um, people who specialize in financial trauma. All right. And if you feel like you need professional help from me or anyone else, stop procrastinating because this is your life. You get this one life. Tomorrow is never guaranteed. And you really want to plan to die in debt. I'm sorry, but I don't. So let's go out. Let's take intentional steps forward. We're worthy of a good life, of a better life. We're worthy of actually checking things off our bucket list. Got this. All right. Okay. That is all for me today. That was a lot. I'm proud of you. You're doing great. Keep going. I'm cheering for you. All right. I will talk to you guys next time. Bye, guys. Thanks for hanging out for another episode of a Sunny Side Up Life podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and leave a review. Five-star reviews are what help the podcast grow. Don't forget to check out the episode show notes for links to everything that we talked about today, as well as tons of free resources to help you on your financial independence journey, like my monthly newsletter, budgeting challenges, fun downloads, and more. Head over to asunnysideuplife.com to get started. And if you want to keep up with me in the day-to-day, don't forget to follow me on social media at a sunny side up life. Well, that's all for me this week. Bye guys.